love. Stella Randolph thinks, lying in her narrow virgin's bed, and through her window streams the cold blue light of a St. Valentine's Day full moon. Oh, love, love, love. Love would be like... This year, Stella Randolph, who runs the Tarkers Mills Set and Sew, has received 20 Valentines, one from Paul Newman, one from Robert Redford, one from John Travolta, even one from Ace Freely of the rock group Kiss. They stand open on the bureau across the room from her, illuminated in the moon's cold blue light. She sent them all to herself this year, as every year. Love would be like a kiss at dawn, or the last kiss, the real one, at the end of the Harlequin romance stories. Love would be like roses in twilight. They laugh at her in Tarker's mills, yes, you bet. Small boys joke and snigger at her from behind their hands, and sometimes, if they are safe across the street, and Constable Neary isn't around, they will chant Fatty Fatty 2 by 4 in their sweet, high-mocking sopranos. But she knows about love and about the moon. Her store is failing by inches, and she weighs too much. But now, on this night of dreams, with the moon a bitter blue flood through the frost-traced windows, it seems to her that love is still a possibility. Love and the scent of summer as he comes. Love would be like the rough feel of a man's cheek that rub and scratch. And suddenly there is a scratching at the window. She starts up on her elbows, the coverlet falling away from her ample bosom. The moonlight has been blocked out by a dark shape, amorphous but clearly masculine. And she thinks, I am dreaming. And in my dreams, I will let him come. In my dreams, I will let myself come. They use the word dirty, but the word is clean. The word is right. Love would be like coming. She rises, convinced that this is a dream, because there is a man crouched out there, a man she knows, a man she passes on the street nearly every day. It is love. Love is coming. Love has come. But as her pudgy fingers fall on the cold sash of the window, she sees it is not a man at all. It is an animal out there, a huge shaggy wolf, his forepaws on the outer sill, his rear legs buried up to the haunches in the snowdrift, which crouches against the west side of her house. But it's Valentine's Day, and there will be love, she thinks. Her eyes have deceived her, even in her dream. It is a man that man, and he is so wickedly handsome. Wickedness, yes, love would be like wickedness. And he has come this moon deck night, and he will take her. He will... She throws the window up, and it is the blast of cold air billowing her filmy blue nightgown out behind that tells her that this is no dream. The man is gone, and with a sensation like swooning, she realizes he was never there. She takes a shuddering, groping step backward, and the wolf leaps smoothly into her room and shakes itself, spraying a dreamy sugar puff of snow in the darkness. But love, love is like, is like, like a scream. Too late, she remembers Arnie Westrom torn apart in the railroad shack to the west of town only a month before. Too late. 
The wolf pads toward her, yellow eyes gleaming with cool lust. Stella Randolph backs slowly toward her narrow virgin's bed under the back of her pudgy knees. They strike the frame and she collapses upon it. Moonlight parts the beast's shaggy fur in a silvery streak. On the burrow, the Valentine's cards shiver minutely in the breeze from the open window. One of them falls and seesaws lazily to the floor, cutting the air in big, silent arcs. The wolf puts its paw up on the bed, one on either side of her, and she can smell its breath, hot, but somehow not unpleasant. Its yellow eyes stare into her. Lover, she whispers, and closes her eyes. It falls upon her. Love is like dying. Welcome to Two Old Farts Talk Sci-Fi. I'm David Klink. And I'm Troy Harkin. And uh, I just wanted to say, David, that what you heard off the top of the show there was um, the Feb- February. Do I want to say that? No, I don't. Yeah, I want to yeah. say February. Who the hell put two R's in February? Anyway, uh, the February chapter from Cycle of the Werewolf uh, by Mr. Stephen King. And it's a wonderful valentine's little vignette there that we thought it would be important to, sh- to share with you because why david because this is our saint valentine's special for 2024 part one. Oh, well i love you david love you too man we are yeah. dedicating this two-part set of episodes to stephen king uh we do have two special guests for this episode jennifer miller and jb tinker we will introduce them in a minute Troy, will you be so kind as to give us a spoiler alert? Why not? Because I love you so much, David. Here's the spoiler alert. Spoiler alert! Spoiler alert! Spoiler alert! And there it is. Oh, I love that spoiler alert. I love it, Troy. Uh, We are recording this session via Zoom. Don't we love Zoom? But anyways... In the, we've gone too far. In the interest of transparency, Jennifer and Jamie were guests of our podcast in October, our Halloween special, where Troy and I interviewed them about their Stephen King tours or SK tours. And Troy and his wife, Christy, took the tour in October of 2022 around Halloween. Isn't that right, Troy? Well, that's right, David. It was a great time. And I, I um, don't want to embarrass our, our guests because I know they they don't want to be talked about too much that way. But hey, man, you you do a great thing. You have a great service for all of us king heads. Um, so thank you. Um, and I would love to get out there again. Jamie Tinker and Jennifer Millar own and operate SK Tours of Maine out of Bangor. Bangor. Can we edit go. that? Out there of Bangor. Bangor. The, Bangor. The three-hour-long tours are an authoritative celebration of Stephen King in general, as well as his fictional town of Derry. Welcome, Jennifer and Jamie. Thank you. Thank you so much. 
what's most important out, out of these two episodes are going to probably add about two hours of exciting stuff about love in the Stephen King universe is the author photo that our guests provide. So can we briefly ask about the author photo you provided for our website? This being a podcast is just sound. There is no image, but the photo can be found on our website for this episode. Can you tell us the inspiration for this cosplay? (laughs) I thought it would be adorable if we did a cosplay of the Grady sisters uh, from The Shining. Jamie was very, very, very resistant. And I said, that's too bad, babe. I already bought the costumes. (laughs) Um, right down to our black patent leather shoes. And we each gave tours wearing the costume. Uh, it was super fun. Everybody loved it. Um, and we're going to keep going next yeah. year. We already have a new costume, our, our couple costumes set for next year. I don't know if I should say what it is or not. Yeah, we'll save that. We'll save that. But, uh, it's okay. adorable. I had these costumes and the knee highs and the patent leather shoes and the wigs purchased in June. I was so ready. He had no choice. <laughs> and I said, do not shave the beard. And he didn't. It's even better. So yeah. we were, uh, we do tandem tours, uh, for the Halloween costume tour. And we each did it in a little blue knee length dress with a pink bows and the knee length stockings. It was adorable. Yeah, it just sort of solidified you guys being the coolest. Mm. Well, Jamie is a retired command master chief from the yes. Navy. Yes. And I, I just hope, 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 and hope and pray that anybody that he was the boss of sees this. That's my goal. <laughs> this, this is what we did to him. <laughs> yeah. We put him in a dress. Yeah, yeah. Um, anyways, a two old first talk sci-fi is a look back to when we fell in love with the speculative genre to recall these times with fondness and affection. Um, I like to start episodes with a quote, and here's a quote for the show. And this is from Stephen King. The most important things are the hardest to say. They are the things you get ashamed of because words diminish them. Words shrink things that seemed limitless when they were in your head to no more than living size when they're brought out. But it's more than that, isn't it? The most important things lie too close to wherever your sacred secret heart is buried, like landmarks to a treasure your enemies would love to steal away. And you may make revelations that cost you dearly only to have people look at you in a funny way, not understanding what you've said at all or why you thought it was so important that you almost cried while you were saying it. That's the worst, I think, when the secret stays locked within, not for want of a teller, but for want of an understanding ear. Uh, we like to ask our uh, first-time guests their earliest genre memories, their their first-time loves, and their all-time favorites. Now, we did not do this when uh, Jamie and Jennifer were here in October because we wanted to use as much time to talk about their tour business, but we have the time now. So, Jamie and Jennifer, what was your first speculative genre memory? For me, believe it or not, middle school, choose your own adventure novels. Dragons and ice, and 
if you want to do this, go to chapter four, go to page 47. If you want to do this, go to page 55. And I died all the time. But that was my <laughs> first chance at like this, uh, this interactive fantasy. Cause I, I was a fantasy kid before I was a horror guy. And those choose your own adventure fantasies just nailed it for me. Mm. I hope this counts. For me, it was coming home from school and watching the creature double features. Oh, yeah. Always been a horror person. And it didn't matter if it was Godzilla or if it was, you know, black and white cheesy horror fest. In fact, the first horror movie I ever couldn't finish watching was Don't Be Afraid of the Dark. Mm. Mm -hmm. And it took me decades and I couldn't watch it. I turned it off and it took me decades. This is before the internet. I'm that old. And it took me a long, long time to find the name of that movie and rewatch it. And they've remade it. It's not the same. I don't care. Um, but the creature double feature. Second question, which is what was the first speculative genre thing that you actually fell in love with and why? And it can be the same or different. No, it's entirely different. The Twilight Zone. Mm. Woo! The Twilight Zone. I don't remember. I had it in my head and I've lost it. The episode where the lady is in the bed and the phone rings. She's talking. Uh, the phone rings because a phone cable fell in a storm on her husband's grave. And the phone rang and it was like like her husband from the grave trying to reach her. Uh, I, I completely wow. lost the name, but it was the Twilight Zone. And that episode of a lady picking up the phone and being confused. And at the very end of the episode, it was like, oh, well, there's a, a, a phone line fell over your husband's grave. Yeah. Blew my mind. Yeah, I've got something called Night Call from the That's Twilight it. Zone. That's it, Night Call. Hello? Hello? Miss Elva Keene lives alone on the outskirts of London Flats, a tiny rural community in Maine. Up until now, the pattern of Miss Keene's existence has been that of lying in her bed or sitting in her wheelchair, reading books, listening to her radio, eating, napping, taking medication, and waiting for something different to happen. Miss Keene doesn't know it yet, but her period of waiting has just ended. For something different is about to happen to her, has in fact already begun to happen, via two most unaccountable telephone calls in the middle of a stormy night. Telephone calls rooted directly through the Twilight Zone. That was the episode that just smacked me in the face with what the medium could do. How about you guys? Well, or Jennifer, what was your, yeah, what was your first, the speculative genre thing that you actually fell in love with as opposed to your first experience? X-Files. Mm. The X-Files. I love, mm -hmm. I, mm. I love, love, love it, love it, love it, love it. And for years, every February, I would do nothing but rewatch every episode. I, yeah, I wouldn't cook. I wouldn't clean. Leave mommy alone. She's watching her shows. Love the <laughs> X-Files. Still yeah. love them. Mm. You can't talk me out of it. Any of it. 
love it. I still love the X-Files, but now I have a job and I'm, I really have to watch Stephen King movies and read the books more often. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> my favorite mm. episode was Home. Oh, one. my God. Oh, God. Yeah, best episode ever. Great music, Gruesome. too. Um, Creepy. Mm. And Stephen King even wrote an episode. Yeah. And, oh, yeah. Yep. Uh, what was it called? Oh, I, the the doll a, one, right? H. I, it's a it's a, a haunted doll. It's a yeah. haunted doll, and Scully even shows up in Maine wearing a T-shirt saying the way life should be. Yeah. So <laughs> X Files is my very favorite ever. Great stuff. Um, so thanks, Jamie and Jennifer. So we'd like to get into your all-time favorites. Um, here are some rapid-fire questions about your favorite genre things. We are just looking for titles, but if you feel the urge, you can expand a bit. We do wish to get to talk about love in the Stephen King. Universe. Uh, Troy will ask these questions, so take it away, Troy. Okay, guys. Uh, who is your favorite <laughs> genre author? Hmm. Oh, Surprise! I'm a. I actually have a bunch. My been my top two are Stephen King and Terry Pratchett. Huh. He's fun. He's light. I was in the Navy for years, and when you're out at sea, you need light refreshing and not a lot of thought and terry pratchett was amazing but for me it's stephen king Mm. stephen king and i wasn't prepared for this one i've been reading only stephen king for quite a while for some reason um (laughs) the one who did all the vampires and and rice Rice. Rice. oh yeah and rice absolutely um not going to apologize i love vampire Mm. stuff it's very sexy uh stephen king yeah definitely because it's he's it's with it, it's gore, but it's also mm. love and kids and mm-hmm. humor. So much humor. I I read mm. his stuff and I'm like, I kind of think he's funnier than he is yeah. horrifying. Mm. I gotta tell mm. you guys, about once a day, she bursts into the office like, let me read you this sentence because it's such a yeah. good sentence and it's mm. so clear and perfect and you know funny and graphic all at once. That she has to share this single sentence. Mm. And it's never the same thing twice. No. Nope. And it's always funny or crude. It's I don't, often crude. It's usually crude. I love crude <laughs> stuff. I don't care. My humor is very lowbrow. Um, but I just, he says in one sentence something that we all understand and no one ever feels. I never feel. What's the word I've used? No, I can't do it. Down. Condescending, Condescending. It's never right, right. Um, but intelligent and funny mm-hmm. and crude. Mm-hmm. Very New England. You were going to uh, say something. I was just going to go on to our next uh, question. Can you take, give us your favorite genre novels? You know, people are going to upset be upset with this, but eleven twenty two sixty three. Why are they going to be upset? It's because. Because people love it, and they love Carrie. They love, they love a bunch of other books, but eleven twenty two sixty three, to me, is perfect. Why? No shortcuts were taken in that book. He took his time. He told the story. And even though it's not technically horror, as a speculative novel, to me, is perfect. Mm. Yeah. How about you, Jennifer? It. I, I hate to be so predictable, but I, I'm a mom. I've got three kids. I grew up here in Bangor, and I just, 
love the strength he gives these children to save themselves and the love they have between themselves and the way they understand each other. And I, I can't help but read about these children and insert my children into this book. That's a terrible idea. No, no. I, (laughs) I I wonder would my kids save Mm. each other? Would they, yeah. Investigate. Would they dive? Would they ask questions? Would they, you know, stand and be true? You know, where the where adults have gone blind in their grown upness, would kids mm-hmm. still ask questions and make mm. changes and push forward? And mm. I don't know. I love his. I love his stories where kids are the heroes, and that in it's it. It's Dreamcatcher. It's mm-hmm. the body. I don't. I can't get enough of that stuff. Okay. Can't get oh, but enough. Favorite uh, genre shorter work. So we're looking at novellas or short stories. Oh my goodness. There are so many. Because obviously we're King fans. And Stephen King is amazing at short work. Mm. You know, he said recently he doesn't do it that often. It's harder for him. the, The longer work is easier for him. But man, if you pull over, you know, the night shift and skeleton crew, I, I challenge anyone to not find a favorite in there. For me, it has always been since the minute I moment, the, the minute I read it, Survivor Type. That's so good. Yeah. That's his favorite, too. It's, it's so good. I mean, I can't, like, I, I can't find a more perfect start to finish story, specifically finish. It's almost <laughs> like, it's almost like a, a, a Poe story. Oh, yeah. Pointing you specifically for the last sentence. What's your favorite genre movie, guys? You know, I um, I'm a I'm a '80s and '90s kid, mostly nine, uh, mostly '80s, early '90s, and for me, it was all Wes Craven and John Carpenter. Ugh, just so much, so like cheese, like they live <laughs> and uh, Serpent in the Rainbow and. Mm. That was a good uh, one. Right, remember that one? And um The Prince of Darkness. And for me, honestly, I, I it's embarrassing because I haven't rewatched it. So if you rewatch it and you're upset, don't judge me. Uh in the mouth of madness. Uh because I I love the old I love the old John John Carpenter stuff. And I uh but for me, In the Mouth of Madness was one of those movies that just slapped me right in the face like you shouldn't sleep tonight. Yeah. You know what? They actually shot that right about, I don't know, five kilometers from my place. So nice. 10 miles or whatever. Yeah. That church, that building is, is yeah. On the now highway. That, on trip. Yeah. yeah. On oh, trip. do it. Come on up and I'll give you a tour. <laughs> What's that? You're welcome. Yeah. Like definitely. There you go. And Jennifer, how about you for uh movie? Jaws. Jaws. All right. Best movie ever. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it no, is. it's it's great. It's perfect. And it's perfect my film. secret dream is to one day do a one woman show on stage where the screen's behind me and I recite the whole movie and play all the characters. I'm ready. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, I want to see that. Yeah. She, she's not ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. Now I know you guys mentioned both the Twilight Zone and the X Files, but is that the, so? Those would be your favorite genre TV shows, or do you have another? I remember when I was a kid. Um, remember when the uh, oh, you might not remember, but remember when they like the 
the end of the night was like Disney on Sundays. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Wonderful. Wonderful World of Disney or something? Wonderful World of Disney. Disney. But there's also like a Fantastic Tales. No. And I don't remember it at all. No, it's not memorable. But there was something about it that was flashy and shiny. But for me, I guess it's a special, 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 special. It could have been. For (laughs) me, it's always been. The the it, it's amazing how short the Twilight Zone was for the impact it had on our. Mm. Oh yeah, yeah. Mm. And I love the Twilight Zone, one hundred percent. And you know, creep show, creep show. Yeah, no shit. You can't swear. Oh, oh yeah, you can. Yeah, yeah, you can. Definitely. Now <laughs> I remember speaking creep show. I remember I uh, before I understood the creep show with Stephen King. I remember seeing the raft. Oh, oh creep show too. That was, and of course, living in Maine, everyone owns a camp. Everyone has a friend yeah. who has there's a, a camp. Pond and there's a pond. Yeah, and that was a, one of the uh, episodes I saw that yeah. hit me right in the gut. Yeah, and mm. it was years before I would describe it to people. They had no idea what I was talking about. Mm-hmm. Then when I finally saw it again, I'm like, "That's it! Ooh, that's Stephen King! Oh my god!" Well. Obviously, yeah. The raft yeah. is—I love the raft—and we'll we'll get into that so a little good. bit too in our uh, getting jiggy with it uh, section. Okay, guys, um, how about a single TV episode? Do you have a favorite that comes to mind? Well, you you mentioned you mentioned your grave graved and the telephone thing, which actually sounds like that Stephen King story from If It Bleeds. But anyway, I don't want to go off track. Yeah, again. but it's it's similar, but not so, for both of us. It's The Walking Dead. The Walking Dead episode where they're stuck on the highway. And, uh, well, it's home in the X-Files. I will stop for that every time. And in The Walking Dead, when they're stuck on the highway and they think they're safe and they're regrouping and they're finding water and they're repairing their van and everything's okay and they've let their guard down. And before they know it, the zombies are coming down the street. And they all have to just shut up and let them walk by. I love that. And then the kid, the little girl, goes missing into the woods. Yep. Breaks my heart every time. I love that episode. I don't get tired of that either. And I, I got to tell you, we met Greg Nicotero <laughs> yes. uh, this, this year, this recent, this past year. He's It was a dream he's, for me. He's delightful. Yeah. Uh, but um, for me, Walking Dead, the big fat gross mm. zombie in the well. Yeah, that's good. Mm-hmm. It's everything about that is wrong. He splits it up. <laughs> She's and it just the guts pour. I'm sorry, spoiler, folks. <laughs> the guts pour out of her. I'm like, yeah. oh, you can't drink that water. So, anyways, first experience of love in the Stephen King universe, Jamie and Jennifer. Please tell us how you first sort of introduced oh, the concept goodness. of love in Stephen that's King. Such a great question. Such a good question. Now, for me, uh, when I think of love in the King universe, I don't think of brotherly love. It's romantic love mm, in right. some way, shape, or form. So my first book was The Eyes of the Dragon. The second book was The Talisman. The third book I read by Stephen King was The Shining. And that was my first experience of love in the King universe. Sadly, I was so young, I didn't understand what he was talking about. If Folks, for those in the reading listening audience, if you read The Shining when you were 17, you're missing out. Mm. We read it at 47. Yeah. 
there's a there's a complexity again that I didn't understand at seventeen hmm. about love and the fear that comes with love about letting people down and being a failure and hurting the people you love. Man, the shining was deep in a way I didn't understand when I was younger. That was probably my first experience of love in the King universe of Jack and love for his family and fear of losing it all, which he obviously eventually did. Spoiler alert. That's a tough one. It is, right? I read a lot of his stuff when I was young and love was different. It meant it was very shallow. Um, maybe Bag of Bones. Mm. I think that might oh, have been the first one. time that's a good one. I, um, the love was a deep love thing. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. there's all kinds of love, uh, that you can read about in the key. There's, yeah. there's kid love. There's, you know, there's friend the love. There's crushes, there's right? Crushes. There's, a, there's a poems written and I think for me, it might have been Bag of Bones. It was the first the, time I read and I felt like hurt, you know. Yeah, it's a good heart. Yeah, yeah, and the great thing about Bag of Bones is we get, um, that's Mike Noonan, right? Yeah, we get Mike Noonan as as a grieving husband, and you're Mm -hmm. so you're dealing with that love, and then you get sort of this developing thing with Maddie Devore, right? Um, And the conflict. Yes, yes, definitely the conflict between about moving on. Yeah, and and that's so human. You know, like you were talking about the vulnerability earlier, uh, Jennifer, but we definitely see that in, in that character. And I, I mean, we, we give a spoiler alert. There's some things I don't like to spoil, but, um, I'm not, I'm, you know, no, I'm not going there. I'm not going to go there, but it's, it's a very, you know, they say love hurts, (laughs) Nazareth saying, but, uh, that book is all about love hurts. I, Absolutely. I think that was the first one that was mature. Yeah. So what we could do now is just sort of run down for folks, just a, a quick sort of like who would be on the docket for King's Hall of Fame of couples. And mm. so I've I've got some From set up. King and Queen? Wait, yeah. wait, wait, no. Wait, wait. Okay. She's excited. He she gets excited. <laughs> extensive list here. And so uh, I've tried to arrange it somewhat chronologically. Wow, it's good. And, this is so much fun. And oh, guys, okay. please, yeah, feel free at any point to comment on anything here. But so from Carrie. I have uh, Tommy Ross and Sue Snell, mm. and in the film they were played by William Cat and Nancy Allen. Yeah. And God, what an amazing film! Like I always think, yeah. what what would have happened if Carrie the film had bombed? Because you know, the the first bunch of King films are all classics. Like, and how well, often does that happen? Yeah. What What Steve always said was, he said the book failed. The movie made the book, and then the book made Stephen King. Mm. That's the that's the way he sees it, or has had said he sees it. If the movie had bombed, we wouldn't probably be having this conversation right now. Right, he'd still be writing. Yeah, he wouldn't have found the success he had if Brian De Palma didn't create an absolutely masterpiece of a film. Yeah, and I know so, that you uh-huh, go ahead. Sorry, Jamie. Yeah, you know, and it's for, for poor Tommy Ross. <laughs> I know. Who yeah you know, wears a obscene blue tuxedo and a mm-hmm. yeah. 
Well, yeah. you know, I had a question for later, but I may as well throw it in right now. What if, um, you know, the pig blood, what for whatever reason, hadn't been set up properly, and we get uh, Carrie and Tommy being named the prom king and queen? What happens then? You well, know, the, there's no horror novel there. No, no, I know that. Happily ever after. Jamie, play along. No one, no one wants that. <laughs> no one wants happily ever after. That's not what we're here for. Hey, well, we get a thruple. We could have up. a thruple. No, Tommy and Carrie don't hook up. Tommy was very flirty. Tommy's sweet a with gentleman. Carrie. Tommy's a gentleman. He was blown over by uh-huh. how beautiful Carrie, how yeah. Carrie's beautiful. She's very sweet. Mm-hmm. And... A men like to rescue, and mm-hmm. he could have looked at her as someone he could rescue. And Carrie still kills her mother. Well, I should hope so. Yes, yeah. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Yes, and then ever happily ever after. Or maybe like in eleven twenty two sixty three, we find that you can't change not the past, but you can change fate. So the next day, something happens mm-hmm. where you know John Travolta yeah, shows up and, and confronts not like him. To yeah. be changed. Something's yeah. trying to stop it. Something's it's still going to happen. Yeah. Yep. Wow. Okay. Well, yeah. thank you. Thank you Good. for your two cents worth. Wow, we have a long um, <laughs> I know. I know. So we then get Ben Mears and Susan Norton from Salem's Lot uh, in the you know, miniseries played by David Soul and Bonnie Bedelia. You know, Ben Mears and Susan are all, and, and that's the great thing about Stephen King, in my opinion, is he puts normal people in an abnormal situation. Mm-hmm. And I think this is maybe the first example of normal people in an abnormal situation. Mm-hmm. Like maybe if they weren't trying to save themselves in their town, maybe they wouldn't have been in this spot. But, um, no, certainly not a top ten of yeah. uh, of of King couples, but the first time where I think Steve, obviously in this situation, the second novel, starts to talk about romance in in that type. But I I think it's situational, right? And it's I guess our first uh, first time we get a writer as a character, and he's winning the ladies over with his book. Yeah, holy yeah. cow! Yeah. And I mean, I I did love the uh, the, the pairing of David Soul and Bonnie Bedelia in the, mm-hmm. in the series. It's like, Absolutely. yeah. Um, okay, let's move on to Stu and Fran from the Stand. Yep. Uh, wow. And, and in um, well, we've had at least two versions of them on the screen. We had Gary Sinise and Molly Ringwald um, in the original um, mm-hmm. Garris uh, TV series, and. And I've, I'm blocking my own text here. And James Marsden and Odessa Young in the recent um, somewhat of a shit show <laughs> version of the stand. <laughs> Listen, um, look, don't, don't, no, no, I won't okay, have it. Okay, it's all right, go ahead. I won't have it. Okay, I, I was not stand for this. Someone has to stand up for this remake. It's not terrible. It's not written by Steve, right? And directed by Mick Garris, right? It's not. The Stephen King, Mick Garris, you know, development that we wanted. Me personally, I prefer the first of the two, but I'm not. <laughs> I'm not going to poop on the second one. Um, yeah, I, again, we're looking at this people put in this situation, and I, you know, and the thing I liked about it. Now, if you look at this, the newer version of of the stand of the uh, of the stand the last 
bit of it is them, Stu and Fran, heading back east. Right. So if you watch the entire original uh, The Stand, suspend your disbelief and then watch the end of the new stand. Yes. Because that final episode was written by King as well. The last episode was written by King about what have or when they try to go back home. Yeah. Um, I think the original is better than the the newer one. I got nothing as the newer one. They they did a good story and they were fairly true to uh, the source material uh, with modern storytelling in film, which is different than what we're used to. But... um, I would recommend people watch the original stand and want to watch the last episode of the new stand. Yes. Good call. Good call. I guess we're sort of into the dark tower and specifically in terms of Roland and Susan Delgado, wizard and glass. Um, we have no film versions of these. Um, and we also have Eddie and Susanna from the dark tower. Yeah. And Jake and Oi, I put in there, not romantically linked, but a very deep love. It's still uh, love. Yeah. It's like a boy and his dog. It's perfect. Yes. Yeah. I mean, yes, you could say romantic, not sexual, but, but, yes. uh, but, uh, yeah. No, um, Roland and Susan, I, um, was a little bit surprised in that story when they went back and he, Dove into it. Just he created this whole backstory for Roland as a young person in love with someone named Susan, and I don't know. It was charming and sweet, and it made you have all the warm fuzzies. And then they burned her alive. <laughs> what are you gonna do? <laughs> I know. And then you, it's like, as a lot of people have noted, then you understand why Roland is the man that he is, Yeah, you know, and it's like, what caused this emotional damage? And it's just like, well, here you go. Yep. Nope. That happens. Uh, Eddie and Susanna, two broken people, two uh, unlikely I, in, in the real world, they would have never met. Yes. They would have never been in love, but, um, thrown together in the right situation in the right world. They are perfect partners. They take care of each other. They understand each other. They prop each other up. Yep. It's, it's really, really good. Yeah. Perfect sort of symbiotic relationship. Hey, my babe. Did you have switch seats? Switch. Jamie, did you have any thoughts on uh, the dark tower relationships? And we have three of them there. You know, it, it's about desperation. Is it Stephen King? It, and again, I, I'm not trying to like speak for Stephen King because I'm certainly not qualified. It's all situational. And can you imagine the situations they find themselves in and then have to navigate? Mm. At least they're not alone. Right. And I think that's what makes a lot of this happen. He managed to write love into desperate, sad, frightening, yeah. terrifying places, but yet you can still find mm-hmm. your, you can still find someone that can hold your hand. Yeah, well, that's that's what humanity sees writes about. He writes about the humanity, even though he writes absurd things. Yep, there's always 
No one wants to be alone. The, no one wants to be alone. And there's always humanity. And in terms of love in the King universe, there's crushes and hopes and dreams and love lost and love beyond the grave. There's, there's, there's different categories of mm. love of some sort. And mm. I got to tell you, if I was in any of the, their situations, I just want to not feel alone. And I think that's where the Dark Tower series is amazing. Until the end. <laughs> Spoiler alert, until the end. Okay, let's go back uh, to uh, Johnny and Sarah from The Dead Zone. Oh, we, had, we had a full this episode. This is a great heartbreak. Yeah. Well, it's mm. not, it's, if, if you want to categorize love in King's universe, I've had some time to think about this. Yeah. A lot of it is love lost or love abandoned for a greater good. Yeah. This is Love Lost. Well, it reminds me of the Tom Hanks movie where he got lost at sea. And, yeah. uh, uh, oh, Castaway. Wilson! Castaway. Yeah. Castaway. Castaway, yeah. yeah. So and he came back and... She moves on. With a dentist. But she never <laughs> really moves a on. A dentist? No, she, the woman moves <laughs> on, but she never really moves on. She's like, okay, well, I, I guess I got to. Mm-hmm. It reminds me of, uh, you know, yeah. the story reminds me of Castaway. Well, it, it, and then it, he it, shows back it, up and she's like, oh, like, shit. 30 years before Castaway. I know. Yeah. Yeah. I know. But, yeah. You're asking, but, it, but it, it is love lost through some mechanism. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the woman will always feel like, mm-hmm. I'm moving on. Damn, I, I should have moved on. There's guilt too there. Well, I wouldn't mm. but that's but that's and that's why a lot of I gotta tell you folks, sixty percent of our customers who book our tours are women. Yeah. More than sixty, seventy five. At least sixty, maybe seventy five. Yeah. They're women. Steve resonates to the the female audience in yep. a way that we've never seen before. Yeah. And a lot of it is that. And and I Personally, I I give Tabby a lot of credit for that, but uh, ab- absolutely, it it's a love lost, and mm-hmm. you know, to Jennifer's side of it, which I excuse me, I wouldn't understand is how would, does the woman move on? Mm-hmm. Like I wouldn't get that. I wouldn't understand that. Well, you I don't think move on. You just go through the motions, mm. and then yeah. when your love interest shows back up again against uh-huh. all odds, you're like, "Oh, I'm a jerk." And I think with Sarah too, you know, as is true to life, part of the issue is all of a sudden there's a child on the scene, yep. right? Yeah, and yep. so you know, she doesn't feel like she can just up and you know leave the life that she has started and, you know, go back to Johnny because there is yeah, this no, child. She's, she's in. Yeah. She's locked yep. in. Yeah. But you feel that, especially, I mean, I find in the film, Brooke Adams does a great job because you feel her, that sense of loss too, that she mm. is having, even when she goes back to visit Johnny with, with the baby, mm-hmm. um, you know, she, she realizes that, you know, it's, it's done. And she'd rather not have it be done, but it's done. Yeah. Um, and then the big one with all the love in the world, and and um, Jennifer, you you've talked about how much you love it. Um, there's so much going on with it. So I've broken it down into we first of all we there's have a Bill, lot going on here, my friend. Holy yeah, we, we we have Bill and Audra. Yeah. In it, 
yeah. originally played by Richard Thomas and Olivia Hussey, yeah. and more recently, uh, James McAvoy and Jess Weixler. Yeah. Uh, we have Bed and Bev. Oh uh, in the original uh, version, John Ritter and Annette O'Toole, who I love both of them. <laughs> anyway, mm-hmm. um, and then Jay Ryan and Jessica Chastain playing Bed and Bev uh, in the recent uh, two films. I've put in Eddie and Richie, but yeah. but well, that's and you should absolutely. But that we have to let people know that's in mm-hmm. chapter it chapter two, but not alert. not anything ever implicit uh, or explicit, I should say, in in the book. Um, and but I still loved it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then we I also think, I think Barbara and Andy did. I'll, I'll wait for you. Barbara. I'm just saying that. Uh, Barbara and Andy did a great job with that film, with those two films, uh-huh. and um, I'm happy to talk about it. What stands out for you guys with some of these couples, and what are your mm. some of your faves, and yeah, just thoughts on well, it in general, and in terms of love. I, for me personally, if you're going to categorize them, Bill and Audra are, I guess, lo- traditional love and love saved. Mm. Ben and Bev is this young, I guess, I guess crush the 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 poems, the the love poems, the January embers. It's it's it, it's this adolescent crush, not realized. Eddie and Richie in chapter two of it, the film, and. When you then go back later and reread the book, which we've done, you go, huh, I see it. Mm. Uh, it's heartwarming and genuine and wonderful. Yeah. And mm. uh, Adrian Mellon and Don Haggerty, you know, they were put through a ringer. Adrian Mellon, obviously, a bit more than anyone else, but put absolutely through a ringer. And the thing with all of these, you know, of these four, Adrian Mellon actually happened. Right. Adrian Mellon and Don Haggerty, that experience in some way, shape, or form actually happened in our town of Bangor, Maine. And uh, a young man, his name was Charlie Howard, was, was thrown over a bridge and he, he eventually died. So for me, that is the most impactful of these four because that, you know, I, I we, we see that and we talk about that regularly. No, you're right. I got nothing to say. He's right. Yeah. He's, uh, I, you know, these are all beautiful stories. And, but I look at Adrian Mellon. I think Charlie Howard. I remember when it happened. I was a freshman in high school. I don't know. That's how soon after, how soon after it actually happening did it end up in, in it? Like, what was the 1984? Oh, so pretty close, pretty close. Yeah, and, and it came out in 1986. So uh, the, the story I've heard, which I can't confirm or not confirm, is it wasn't Charlie Howard's death, Adrian Mellon's death, wasn't in the first mm-hmm. draft. It was in the second draft. Yep. Like it happened, and then Steve put it in the book. But I, I think that's important because it's a, it's a depiction of not supernatural horror, it's about like actual human shittiness. It it's it's it 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 lends itself credibility to 
real horror. Yeah. Yeah, it definitely, it definitely starts you off immediately, like grounding you in what feels like the real world. Yep. Yeah. One hundred percent. Especially of of the mid eighties. Yeah. Holy cow. Yeah, people, you know, younger people today don't understand how hard and dangerous it was for the community at that time. Specifically in rural America. We're talking about New York. We're talking about, you know, Gary, Indiana. We're talking about Bangor, Maine. We're talking about, you know, places that don't have a lot of representation. Um, I'm uh, going to move on to Pet Cemetery. We have Lewis and Rachel Creed. Yeah. Uh, in the film, they were played by the first film. I, I have actually not uh, referenced uh, the more recent film. Um, yeah. Not, and I'm, I'm not trying to be that way, but I just, I just sort of forgot. <laughs> no, wait, wait, wait. No, uh, Denise is wonderful. We met Denise last year. We hope to meet Dale this year. Yeah, and and that was a, a fantastic film and a very a, a darker book than it is a film. And uh, yeah, when you watch the film, you're like this is pretty dark. It's nowhere near as dark as the book is. Oh no, it is an entirely darker situation. If you if you like the, if you like the movie pet, the original Pet Cemetery movie or any of the other versions of it. Read the book. Yeah. You, if you like obviously dark, you want to go obviously darker. And the the book Pet Cemetery does that so much to the fact that uh, Stephen King wasn't intending on it being published. Um, but that's you know between Dale and Denise, between uh, Lewis and Rachel is kind of standard fair marital love. Right? There's nothing. More about Lewis's love for his children, you know, depending on which version of the movie you see. Uh, uh, love for his children, and then later love you know, for his wife. Try not to spoil it. Um, but it's it's kind of standard fare stuff. The story wasn't about their love, right? And in fact, I was thinking as I was compiling this list, if I was a marriage counselor. I mean, clearly I would have to talk to Jack and Wendy, but I think I would take Rachel aside and say, yeah, I know he's a doctor, but he makes really bad decisions. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. like yeah, for a guy who's supposed, I assume is well-educated, he makes really bad decisions. You know what? Not, no one's perfect. <laughs> yeah. Someone could be a great doctor and not a great anything else. Right. It's a nice way to put it, I think. Yeah, yeah. There's probably a lot of those folks out there. So we've got Jesse and Gerald in Gerald's game, and I freaking love the the Flanagan adaptation yeah. Yeah. with uh uh Bonino uh, and uh and Bruce Greenwood. Yeah. We um, met Mike Flanagan what two years ago? Yeah. We met Mike and Kate uh, a couple years ago. They are delightful for folks. Uh, if 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 you have Mike Flanagan coming anywhere near you Oh God! I want them on the Find show. Find them, yeah. and they they love Canada. By the way, they're moving up there. Oh, um, yeah, they're moving in that direction. Um, are, they, are they going to like Vancouver? Maybe 
Because yeah. I'm thinking with yeah, okay. they actually. I think they bought property in Vancouver. That okay, I didn't know that. We talked about it. Oh, I don't yeah. remember. All right, um, Jesse and Gerald is it's it's interesting because the the book's called Gerald's Game, and spoiler alert: Gerald doesn't make it that far <laughs> in, no. in in the story. And and by the way, folks, if you haven't seen Gerald's Game on Netflix, stop everything you're doing and see it right now. Carla is amazing Carla's at yes. everything amazing. she does, and she might be the most beautiful woman I've ever oh, seen in my she's life. She's amazing. That book is fantastic, and it coincides with another book in Stephen King's universe called Dolores Claiborne, yes, yep. where there's a uh, where there's a total eclipse yep. happening in Maine while she's there, and Dolores is there, and the books intersect, and there's a there's one of those things happening in Maine this year in yes, April, on April, April. but um. Uh, I love that book, and I don't know about my loving wife, mm. Mm, who is a fantastic. I don't know if she'd be into. Let's go into the woods, chain me up, and you have hundred percent. Uh, mm, what if I die? Well, <laughs> well, you need safe words, and you need another set of keys or something. And a like key that. somewhere, right? You need a key. Somewhere. Yeah, I didn't think that way out. And a defibrillator. Um, but that is. Um, if if you could consider how could you make a book in a single room fun? Yeah. Fun? No, okay, maybe not fun. Well, I remember <laughs> uh, reading it. I remember reading it the first time. Oh, loving it. Book. Loving it, but yeah. also thinking, wow, this film, this book is unfilmable. I thought this yeah. is this well, is but Mike this, this will never be turned into Mike a film. Flanagan is great at the unfilmable. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay, so again, I'm going to go a little quicker here with some of these. Like, like I've got uh, Edward Delacroix and Mr. Mm. Jingles from yeah. uh, Green Mile. Uh, and for folks who don't know, Mr. Jingles is his pet mouse. Um, so uh, obviously, that's, that's brotherly love. Yeah, a very different kind of love than say, Gerald's game. Love. And and with Mr. Jingles, there's no BDSM involved. Um, yeah. And so. Uh, we've touched on a little bit before Mike Noonan and Maddie DeVore mm-hmm. in Bag of Bones. Um, and we'll get into that a little bit more again when we, we talk about the uh, getting jiggy with it. Um, did you have anything you wanted to touch on with Bag of Bones there? Well, I think uh, you talk about, you know, you got Mike Noonan and Mike Noonan and Maddie and Scott and Lisey in the same, you know, one line after the next. Yeah. I think they both qualify. So I'm going to go ahead and jump sure. ahead of you here. Yeah, yeah. Mike and Scott and Maddie and Lisey are both love beyond the grave in some way, shape, or form. Yeah. Which you don't see a lot of that. Um, and, and, you know, both of these books are magnificent. magnificent. Uh, Bag of Bones, holy cow. Uh, what a great book. And then Lizzie's story being one of Steve's favorite books. Yeah. Uh, it's it, one of my favorite of the 21st century, for sure. Yep, absolutely. It, 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 so I love Bag of Bones. I love, I love, I love uh, Mick Garris's adaption of Bag of Bones. Yep. Uh, but that's Love Beyond the Grave. But a better example of that is Scott and Lizzie Landon and, and Lizzie's story, which is one of Steve's favorite stories and adapted to uh, Apple 
uh, Apple by Steve Mm -hmm. uh, with Clive Owen and Julianne Moore. And folks, if you haven't seen that, give it a give it a shot. But definitely read the book. And there is there's some off putting language that people don't like about Booyah Moon and Bool and uh, Bulls and all that. There is some language there that is off-putting, but uh, Steve has always said that's one of his favorite books, and and I, I can't get uh, past that because it is a fantastic book about love beyond the grave in some way, shape, or form. Yeah, and in both cases, too, we have authors. We have uh, Mike Noonan is the writer, and his wife has died, and in Lisey's story, it's the other way around, where uh, Scott has died, and as we have in the mm-hmm. title, it's Lisey's story, but Scott has an important part throughout. Um, and God, great casting with Clive Owen and Juliana Moore in Lisey's story. Eh? Oh, and, it, and it's so yeah. beautifully shot. Okay. I'm going to say that we don't get too much into 1122.63 right now because we're a little tight, but we will soon. Um, but we've said how people love the book and clearly i think people also love the adaptation that had yeah. james franco as jake epping or or george mm-hmm. i guess and sarah gadden as uh, sadie dunhill and um i i loved sadie in the book uh and i freaking uh did a reread the other day and a rewatch and i cried at both of them again which is it's like i can't believe like it still gets me every time like oh you got me again like i knew yeah. it was coming you got me i know and yeah, that's and, a great story and i fall in love with sarah gadden as sadie every time too absolutely um uh, and this he's, is, and, yeah this is i'm gonna jump right in this yeah. is because i'm excited i'm rereading the book right now because i yeah. haven't read it enough times and this is love, not lost. This is not love from beyond the grave. This is not like a right. Crush. This is love forfeit. Interesting. So it's an entirely different situation. Like Jake could have, in his own way, shape, or form, gone back. He didn't. Right. And this is this, and that's. You know, I love it. I love the stand. I love the horror. We talk about the human condition. This is one of the best books ever written. And I think James Frank or and, and Sarah were absolutely fantastic mm-hmm. in it. Yeah. Yeah. They they really, I, I will use the phrase, owned it. Like they, they really mm-hmm. just became part of this. Now, David, you saw um, this for the first time recently, didn't you? Yeah, I did it in prep for this um, uh, episode. You mentioned how much you liked the show. And yeah, it does give that feeling almost like um, the episode where they have to go back in time with Edith Keeler in the Star Trek original series, City on the Edge of Forever. Right, right. Where you realize that what you're going to have to do is you have to give up the relationship with this person because time will be affected. Mm-hmm. That's the danger of time travel. The other thing is that the guy was even telling him, you know, if you're going to go back in time, don't get involved with anyone. Well, right. if you're going to be there for three years, uh, it's uh, a bit difficult not yeah. to 
end up in a relationship, but then you know that that's going to be over because you have to return to the present unless you'd stay in the past. And I think that's something King does very well when he writes this book is he sets a not a large set of rules, mm. but a few rules that can't be broken, a few rules right. that are going mm. to exist, whether you like it or not. And part of it is every time's the first time you go back, you're resetting mm. everything. Yeah. No matter how many experiences or relationships you have, they're gone. And and I, I think that's one of the beauties of that book. Yeah, because you've already had the relationship with the person, and then you go back in time again. You have to restart all that, which they've also done in Star Trek a few times in the mm-hmm. in the uh, series, where 100%. suddenly the memory's wiped, and then you have to then get to know this person again. Um, I mean, that ending bit where he's back. And there she is. And he says, oh, I think I know you. And that whole scene and then dancing at the end. Yeah, is just the dancing will make you cry. Yeah. Dancing's made never made people cry like that scene mm-hmm. right there. I want to jump ahead to a series, well, a book that um, I feel doesn't get as much love as it should. And that's Mr. Mercedes and the Hodges trilogy. Oh. Um, but I I tell you, I, I love it. Um mm-hmm. And uh, in the miniseries, Brendan Gleeson played Bill Hodges and Mary Louise Parker played Janie briefly. <laughs> um, yeah, but I, I, I love I lo- I that uh, pairing. Um, and, um, well, I guess I'll spoil it. Um, when Janie is gone, let's say, uh, my heart was broken. It's like I, I've always liked Mary Louise Parker going back to the West Wing and earlier, I guess. Um, and Brendan Gleeson is just brilliant in everything he does. Um, did you guys have any thoughts on this couple, either in the TV series or the book? Well, in, again, I'm obviously not an expert. But in my opinion, season one of Mr. Mercedes is maybe the best adaption the TV ever made. Bold. Bold. I get it. It So you're not including 11-22-63? Including 11-22-63. Season one of Mr. Mercedes. Oh, okay. I know what you're saying. Yep. Not... Two, not three, season one. Oh, yes, right. And Mr. Mercedes is maybe the best single season adaption ever made. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I know I know what you're saying. And also... Brendan in- Gleeson is delightful. Mm-hmm. The soundtrack is perfect. Yes. The, the characters are wonderful. And the lady... Um, uh, the neighbor? Uh, no, Lupin. Uh, the girl who plays the Holly. Uh, oh, yes. Uh, flawless. Like they they couldn't do a single better series season than season one. Now I've I've already forgotten the name of the actress that you just mentioned, but I was I I love the fact that they had her do the audio book for Holly. Yeah, she did the audio was fantastic. Mm -hmm. Uh, Justine, Justine Lincoln, fantastic, and absolutely true to the book. Uh, Even even though I love the Outsider series. And that is wonderful and is worth every minute of your time. Um, Bill Hodges and Janie, Janie is, a, and again, to go to the categories of King Love, falls right into Love Lost. Yeah. And he, 
fall, Steve falls into that regularly. Love lost because it's easy for us to digest. Now, one of the nice things that the series does in uh, in Mr. Mercedes, and please correct me if I'm wrong because I may have just misremembered it, but the series gives us that second love interest with the neighbor, which I don't believe is in the book, is it? I I don't remember it in the book. It's been a while since I've read yeah. it. Um, yeah. it it's it, directors who make TV shows love to do their own thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if it's not in the book, I don't remember it. Um, okay. Well, you know what? I just have a list of some folks that I'll read to you. And you can, yeah. And you guys can like, let me, let me just get this out and uh, then have your, uh, your two cents That's worth funny. on what we have. So this is, yeah, we know the King has wow. a lot of toxic, psychotic people out there often coming together. Um, and so I've just written down a few of them. Uh, that, that came to mind, uh, and then we can we can discuss them. So I had first of all Jack and Wendy from The Shining. Uh, they were portrayed yeah. by Nicholson and Duvall originally. Randall Flagg and Nadine Cross from The Stand. <laughs> One version was Jamie Sheridan and Laura San Giacomo uh, and Alexander Skarsgård um, and Amber Heard. Uh, doing Randall Flagg and Nadine, right. Trash Can nice, Man right? and this Fire. List, right? I figured that's a that's a, a huge love, at least a little one sided. <laughs> Uh, yeah, and that was Trashy, played by Matt Frewer and Ezra Miller. Uh, from the Crate section of Creep Show. I, I love this performance by Adrian Barbeau. It's uh, Henry and Billy, played by yeah. Hal Holbrook and Adrian Barbeau. This is Henry and Wilma Northrup. Oh, just call me Billy. Everyone does. Billy? You need someone to show you the ropes, huh? And you just come see me. I know all the best stores. Well, uh... Nice to meet you. Um, you. So, are you buying or renting? Oh, actually, we're renting at the moment. Oh, it's just as well. Buying real estate in a college town is a friggin' pain in the ass. You take my word for it. Henry is in the English department, and Wilma... Oh, I just take care of Henry. Believe me, he needs it. (laughs) Did you ever meet a man who didn't? (laughs) What's the matter with you two? You're not drinking? Oh, Henry, can't you do anything right? Huh? Huh? That's what I figured. Huh? That's just what I'd expect from you. I told you half an hour ago to get one of them kids in the monkey suits to bring the car around. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, Henry, you are such a little kid. I swear to God you are. I mean, where would you be without me to take care of you? We also, of course, have, we've mentioned Christine with Arnie and Christine and the two love triangles. Uh, Rosie and Norman Daniels from Rose Matter. Uh, Dolores Claiborne and I Joe St. George from yeah. the book. Uh, we also had... You're giving, uh, you're giving us homework. Sorry. Yeah. Oh, good, good. Okay. Kathy Bates and David Stratham, who's excellent in everything. Well, both of them are. Um, and uh, Annie Wilkes and Paul Sheldon from Misery. Uh, <laughs> finally, Emily and Rodney oh, Harris from, yeah. from the wonderful uh, oh, book of last year, Folly. Right? So, Sorry? We're, we're going modern with this. This is nice. Yeah, yeah. So it's just there's, that was what I thought of some of the worst couples. Do you want to comment on okay. any of them or add your own? You know, Jack and Wendy, um, by and large, you know, to be clear, The Shining is Stephen King's best-selling book to date in history, as it should be. It's a modern masterpiece. Hmm. 
Now, people love the hate on Kubrick Shining. They love it. They love it. Steve hates it. I hate hate it. Blah 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 blah. And <laughs> and I get it. Right? It's not a great movie. It's a yeah, great great movie. great movie. Poor adaptation. Great yeah, movie. a great movie. Kubrick made an amazing film. He didn't make a King book. Right. He made a, he made a Kubrick movie, and it is a masterpiece, and I love it. Um, yeah. But I also love Stephen Weber and Rebecca in making the new King, uh, newer, I guess, King miniseries, which is closer to the book and yeah, uh, also fantastic. Yeah, I prefer uh, Rebecca de Mornay's Wendy well, to yeah, Shelley she's a better Wendy. Yeah. yeah. Steve has never written a weak woman in his life. You you look back on all of Steve's work, he's never written a weak woman for for no reason. Right. Maybe he has. I haven't met it. I haven't I don't remember any of that. Steve doesn't write weak women. And well he he had that period too where he had extract exceptionally strong female characters like mm-hmm. in the Rose Matter, Delays, Dolores Claiborne, Absolutely. and G- Gerald's Game Era. Yeah. He writes strong women because that's what he, in my opinion, I'm not speaking for him, uh, that's what he needs, that's what he recognizes, and that he understands. Um, Kubrick wasn't interested in that. Hey, it's what he likes. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. I think that's absolutely what he likes. That's what he needs in his life. Um, that doesn't mm. change the fact that Kubrick made an amazing film. Mm. But Rebecca's version of Wendy is closer to the book. Any uh, thoughts, Jennifer, on uh, this group of uh, dysfunctional folks? I'm all wrapped up in talking about The Shining. I love, <laughs> I love, 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 I just, because it's what we're talking about, and I've been thinking about it, and I, I love The Shining. I love the book. I do love the book. It's not the same book I read as a teenager as I did when I was an adult. When you're an adult, it's an entirely different journey. I love the movie. I think my favorite scene is where Jack's walking up the stairs, swinging the bat, saying, I'm just going to bash your brains in. I agree with Jamie, Shelley Duvall. I think she's awesome, and she did what Kubert asked her to, but weak. She wasn't the Wendy of the book. Well, you know, guys, I think that, um, you know, we don't really want to cause podcast interrupt us for folks because we have a real magical vibe going here. But I think we are going to have to sort of cap it here for episode one of of our uh, King's Couples. Well, no, don't you don't go anywhere because we'll we're not really going anywhere. But but for the listeners, we'll be back in a couple of weeks. But uh, we're glad that they have this part, uh, part one of uh, our Valentine's Day special. Um, Dave, do you want to? Uh, yeah, well, to cap off episode one, I do want to shout out to Kathy Bates who won an Oscar. How many times have you had a best actor or best uh, best actress in an actual genre? kind of thing like she just hit it out of the park she's just yeah. incredible so that i think we should amazing. probably yeah. do our our um end bit so i am david clink and i'm troy harkin and you're going to check out all of your uh podcast providers for us please folks 
um, because we want you to uh, be sharing and uh, checking in with us on Facebook at Too Old Farts Talk Sci-Fi. And uh, you can go to our website, uh, numeric2of.ca, um, you know, and please share this around, like, tell a friend, all those nice things. Yep. And thanks to Jennifer and Jamie, who will be back in our time, probably in about two minutes or three minutes, but in reality, about a month, uh, because we will be doing our Black Superheroes in between, and then we'll be back with part two. So as I said, I'm David Klink, and he is... I'm Troy Harkin. See you all for our next episode of Two Old Farts. Talk sci-fi. Talk sci-fi.